Um, love to enjoy food. We love to eat. We love to eat. And so it's good. It's, it's Christian. It's, um, it's, it's, it's apostolic to eat. <laughs> it's apostolic to eat. Just, just let's eat. And so we're so grateful that Brother Dibble is here. Yes, we are a little disappointed. Sister Dibble is not here. But Sister Dibble is a great mom. They have four beautiful and wonderful children, three boys and one one girl, and they have a great family. And their family is wonderful because Sister Dibble. <laughs> Brother Dibble contributed just a tad bit, but Sister Dibble have it all in control. So she's taking care of her kids, and so she's making sure everything is good at home. And so she allowed Brother Dibble to come out tonight. And he will be with us tonight, as we mentioned. He will be with us tomorrow night and um, Saturday morning at 10 a.m. and then Sunday morning again at 10.30. As I mentioned earlier, um, there are some times when you have to challenge yourself. And I hope that you will challenge yourself for the next four days and says, I'm going to make every one of these services because I want to give God access to my life that he can do something in me. A lot of times, trust me, God wants to do it, but he's not going to force his will on us. We have to just make ourselves available so he can do what he wants to do. And a lot of times we get so busy and, and God wants to work in our hearts and in our life, but we get so busy that we're only focused on what we're doing. But if you will give these next <coughs> few days and, and hours to the Lord, I believe he's going to do something special that will change your life forever. You know, all it takes is for God to do one little thing that we can't even imagine that he can do. And he does it. And all of a sudden you're wondering, what what happened to me? Why is this happening? Well, because you gave God access. And just one access you gave to him, he did something special. And you're never, ever the same again. So I know that God can do it. He wants to do it. We just have to make ourselves available. So without further ado, we're going to do what we've done. On Thursdays, we don't normally sing or do anything like that. You know, I just pray and we get up and we start teaching. So we're going to have Brother Dibble to come. And he is going to minister to us. Brother Dibble, we want you to come and minister to our church. Praise the Lord, everyone. Come on, let's just do that for a moment. Let's praise Him. Thank you, Jesus. I give you praise, O God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We adore you, Lord. There's no one like you, Jesus. You're the only true and living God, and we adore you. Beside you there is no God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for the privilege to know you, dear Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God. I promise to take full use of the time this evening and to... Be aware of the time, and I thank you for for coming on a Thursday night, ready to hear the word of the Lord. And if you don't mind, I want to preach to you a little bit tonight, something the Lord has laid upon my heart. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20, very familiar verse of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20, I give honor to your pastor and his wife and family laboring here in this city digging out a church for the glory of God I give honor to him 
my friend, and um, just a privilege for me to be here tonight. I wish my wife was here. They tell me I, I behave a whole lot better when she's around, so I'm not sure what's going to happen here over the next couple of days, but I'll try to do my best. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Praise God. I want to talk to you on this subject this evening. No mud, no moon, and no smoke. You can be seated. My dad was born without any eyes. That's how he was born. The family at that time, my grandparents, were churchgoers and from a, a poor family and had no other means and didn't know what else to do but just to gather the church together and begin to pray. So when my dad came home from the hospital... He didn't have any eyes. He was in a back room of the home that they lived in and the church had gathered together and they were all praying out in the living room, praying for my dad. And eight days after he was born, a nurse came running out of the room that they had watching over him, came running out of the room screaming at the top of her lungs, He's got eyes! He's got eyes. He's got eyes. My dad still sees to this day, 86 years later. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. What a tremendous scripture that is. It's one that it excites us when it's preached about. When it's quoted, it brings a certain energy to whatever situation is being discussed. Now, unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, this tells me that the great God that we serve is able to do all that we ask or think. But not only is He able to do all that we ask or think, the Scripture takes it one step further and it tells us He's able to do above all that we could ask or think. But not only is He able to do above all that we ask or think, the Scripture says He's able to do abundantly Above all that we could ask or think. But not only is He able to do abundantly above all that we could ask or think, the Scripture takes it one step further. And it says He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. What a great God we serve today. What a mighty God we serve. What a powerful God we serve. Angels bow before Him. Heaven and earth adore Him. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Praise God. 
in this simple message tonight, I would like to try to let you know how much God wants to work on your behalf. There is a principle in this scripture that should cause us as saints of God to have great joy. For in this scripture I see not only the ability of God, but I see His willingness as well to go above and beyond what we ask Him for. I said I see His ability and His willingness for one without the other wouldn't mean very much, would it? If God had all the ability in the world, and He does, and He can do anything, but He was not willing to help us in the time of need, all that ability would be worthless on our behalf. On the other hand, if God was willing to help anybody that had a need and had a crisis situation, and by the way, He is willing, but He didn't have the ability to help us, all of His willingness would be worthwhile, would be worthless. But I want you to know today that we serve a God that is not only able to help us, but He is willing to help us as well. He is willing to help us, His children, in the time of need. There is no problem or situation that God can't bring you through. There's no problem that's too big or too little for God to become involved with and to solve. There's no situation that's too hard or too easy for God to fix. There's no sickness or disease that's too complicated for God to heal. But He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. It doesn't matter how strong the storm is. It doesn't matter how fierce the winds are that are blowing. It doesn't matter how high the flood waters are. It doesn't matter how bad it looks or how serious the situation is because God is able to meet your need in just one instant of time. He may not come, somebody said one time, when you want Him to, but He's always right on time. So today, you may have a financial need. Let me tell you, no problem with God. You may have a healing need. Let me tell you, no problem with God. You may have a problem in your marriage. It's no problem with God. A family situation, a salvation need. In fact, any need at all, it's no problem with God. He's able to solve your problem. He's able to fix your situation. He's able to heal your sickness. But the thing that I want to point out to you tonight is God's ability and willingness not only to do what we ask Him to do, but to go above and beyond what we ask Him to do. There is an inexhaustible supply of grace and mercy and power in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight.
So pray all the prayers you want to pray. You'll never run dry the well of the grace of God. Ask all the things you want to ask for. You'll still never deplete the source of God's power. And still He wants to do more for you. And still He's able to do more. Preaching this evening, no mud. No moon and no smoke. Allow me to point out this principle to you in a few places in Scripture. Exodus chapter 14 tells us the story of the Israelites being delivered from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God, you know the story, He pours out the ten plagues upon the Egyptians and finally after the tenth plague, Pharaoh agrees to let God's people go. I like what it says in verse number 8 of chapter 14. It says that the children of Israel left Egypt with a high hand. Come on, somebody. That means they left boldly. They left confidently. They didn't escape as fugitives off in the night, slinking away somewhere, hiding out from the enemy. But they walked defiantly out of captivity. Can I just pause here to tell you, I want you to know that when God brings you out of the world, He doesn't just bring you out halfway. He doesn't just bring you out a little bit. He doesn't just bring you out and and you get to take some of the things of the world with you and you go out with some of the things of the world. But when God delivers you from the world, He delivers you with a high hand. He delivers you in total victory. You see, He didn't ordain for you to carry the junk of the world around with you and still try to live for God at the same time. But when He delivers you, He brings you out completely. I know I'm not preaching to anybody here tonight, but in the church that I pastor, some folks try to take some stuff from the world with them and try to carry that along uh, uh, into victory. You can't do it. When God delivers you, He delivers you completely. He delivers you totally. He delivers you abundantly above all that we could even ask or think. He wants you to walk in total victory. It's not His plan for you to be bogged down with the things of this world and barely drag yourself in here on a Thursday night and throw yourself down on a chair and hardly make it through a service. But He wants you to come into church victoriously, abundantly. Hey, I can't wait to see what God wants to speak to my heart tonight. I can't wait to hear what God has to speak to me tonight. Off they go into the wilderness, escaping from the slavery of Egypt. They find themselves at the edge of the Red Sea now, with mountains on either side of them. Pharaoh decides he's going to chase the Israelites down and bring them back. And he regrets his decision to let the Hebrews go in the first place. And it angers him that he had ever listened to Moses. And he reasons 
In his mind, the Hebrews are going to be my slaves by nightfall. Pharaoh approaches the Israelites' camp. He throws his head back and he begins to laugh coldly as his chariot driver reins in those magnificent stallions that pull his chariot. He couldn't believe his good fortune as he assesses the situation. The God of Moses knows a little something about pouring out plagues, but he is certainly no field general, for he's left them in a precarious situation. He looks at the situation and determines three million Israelites are trapped. There's no way out. That's what he thought. Moses begins to talk to God. And then Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord that He's going to show you today. For the Egyptians that ye have seen today, ye shall see them no more again forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord says, What are you crying to me for, Moses? I never told you to stand still. But God, there's a Red Sea in front of us. Pharaoh's behind us. There's mountains on either side of us. Where are we supposed to go? God said, Speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to go forward. But lift up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it and the children of Israel will walk across on dry ground. Now God, how are you going to do this? As soon as we start going, the Egyptians are going to follow after us. But you know the angel of the Lord that went before the camp of Israel. And the cloud that led them by day picked itself up and went behind them for a little while. And it came in between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of the Israelites. And it was darkness to the Egyptians, but the Scripture said it was light to the children of Israel. And then the Lord causes a strong east wind to begin to blow. And it parts the waters to and fro, and they wall up on either side, and they begin to walk across in the midst of the sea on dry ground. The order was given by Pharaoh. We are going to attack just as soon as this intense fog lifts and this unusually strong east wind begins to die down. But when it did, to their amazement, the Israelites were gone. They looked and they saw a pathway right through the middle of the Red Sea. And the Egyptians said, if they can do it, we can do it. And so they follow after him. But the Bible tells us God knocks the wheels off of their chariots. And the Scripture said so that they drove Heavily, and they drown in the middle of the Red Sea as the walls of water that stood at attention came back together again. What a great victory God provided for the children of Israel that day. Let's just, 
let's just recap for a moment. He pours out the ten plagues. He delivers them from Egypt. He causes it to be foggy in between the camps. One was darkness. The other side was light. He parts the waters of the Red Sea. He caused a strong east wind to blow and dry out the ground. And on top of all of that, there was no mud in the camp. There was no mud on the livestock. There was no mud on the wheels of their carts. There was no mud on their sandals. There was no mud in between their toes. There was no mud. Now that's amazing. The muck and the mire of the sea floor was hard enough to allow passage for their escape. But at the same time, when the Egyptians tried to go through the sea, it got muddy. And the wheels of their chariots drave heavily in the midst of the sea. And they couldn't get out when the water came back again. That's thought-provoking. Now, as Moses was praying by the shore of the Red Sea... No doubt his mind was racing with the emotion of the moment and the circumstance that he found himself in at the present time. You know what I'm talking about. You've been in the middle of a crisis before, haven't you? You've been in the middle of a situation that took the breath out of you and you didn't know which way to turn. And sometimes we just cry out to God, maybe like Moses did, Oh God, help me! Although we don't have a record of the prayer that Moses prayed, I can almost guarantee you that he probably did not conclude his prayer with, and oh yeah, God, one more thing. While you're doing all that other stuff, make it so there's no mud, please. The condition of their shoes was the least of his worries, but... God did it anyway. He responded with more than Moses had ever asked for. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Let me preach to you this evening and tell you that God wants to step into your situation. Right into your situation. The one that you know all the details of. And He wants to work a miracle in your life. What looks impossible and what looks hopeless. What looks weak and undone. What looks desperate and incurable. What looks despondent is right where God wants to work in your life. You don't have to worry about all the details of the miracle. Just put it in God's hands and He'll make a way for you. God is willing and He's able to work on your behalf. I'm preaching this evening, no mud, no moon, and no smoke. Joshua found himself in a situation that he needed help from God. In his campaign to occupy 
Canaan land, the promised land. He was in a battle one day. Joshua chapter 10 tells us that he's fighting against five kings at one time. Now he's winning the battle, but the sun is starting to go down. Victory wasn't yet completed, and the game was about to be called on account of darkness. But the bad guys escaping into the hills. But this is what the scripture says Joshua did. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon. And moon, stand still in the valley of Ajalon. And you know what? The sun stood still. And the moon stayed, the scripture says, about the space of a whole day. There has never been a day like it. Joshua 10 and 14 says there's been no day like it before. There hasn't been a day like it after when the Lord hearkened under the voice of a man. Now wait a minute. Let's look at this again. To stop time for some 24 hours, the earth's rotation would have to be halted. The sun, the Milky Way galaxy, and countless other heavenly bodies would also be affected. There should have been earthquakes and tidal waves and gravitational changes, possible damage to the polar ice caps and continental shelves. Joshua probably knew very little about science. In fact, I know he didn't know a whole lot about science because he spoke to the sun and he said, Sun, stand still. We know today the sun is standing still and it's the earth that moves around the sun. If Joshua had known all the details that needed to be worked out, I wonder if he would have had the courage for what he asked. God, make the earth stand still. Let the moon hold its place. Take care of the gravitational changes. Take care of the polar ice caps. Take care of the tidal waves. Take care of the earthquakes. Take care of the volcanoes. Take care of all the stuff. <coughs> but even if he did know, he also knew a God. Now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundance abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I wonder sometimes, do we let our knowledge of the situation keep us from asking for the miraculous? Unsaved loved ones appear unreachable because we know all the details of their lives. So we don't pray for them like we should. The doctor said it is incurable. We might as well not bother God 
with this one. The marriage counselor said there's no hope. Irreconcilable differences. Let's not even bother talking to God about this one. I owe this much money. I only make this much money. Well, you do the math. It's never going to work out. I won't even intrude on God's time about this one. But can I preach to you a little bit today and tell you that it doesn't matter that the facts are all against you because the truth is that God will make a way for you where there seems to be no way. It doesn't matter how hopeless the situation looks right now because He is the God of hope. It doesn't matter how bleak things look right now. It doesn't matter that there appears to be no hope. God steps upon the scene and in just one instant of time turns the situation around. Come on, let's praise Him together for a moment. Praise God. No mud, no moon, and no smoke. The decree went out in Babylon. Everyone in the empire must bow down to the eleven-story tall image of the king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down. And immediately they are rounded up by the king's soldiers. The charges are read against them. And this is how they responded. Daniel 3 and 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. I've got to pause here. I'm trying to hurry, but I've got to take just a moment here and tell you, you don't get to this situation overnight. You don't get to this situation just with a snap of a finger. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been putting some time in the Word of God. They'd been logging some hours down on their knees talking to God. It didn't just happen overnight. Can I preach to you and tell you, don't wait till you get in the back seat of a car somewhere till you try to get some morals. Don't wait till somebody offers you a sip of this or that before you try to get some backbone. Don't wait before somebody offers you a puff of this or that before you try to stand up and do what's right. you got to walk right before that. Oh, King, we don't even have to think about it. We mean you no disrespect, King, but we are not careful to answer you in this matter. That means they didn't have to stop and give it consideration. We know what we're going to do. So when the alarm clock rings, 
and it's time for church. You don't just slap the snooze and roll over and go back to bed again. Hey, it's time to get to the house of the Lord. We already know what we're going to do. We're not careful to answer. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and He will deliver us out of Thine hand, O King. But if not, be it known unto Thee, O King, We aren't serving your gods. We're not going to worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now you know the story. Old King Nebuchadnezzar heated the furnace seven times hotter than it was ever heated before. He gets a couple of soldiers and he starts heading them up the ramp. In those days, the furnaces were sloped up and the fuel got put in on the top. The scripture says in verse number 23, I believe it is, that they fell down into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. The word is nephthal. The Hebrew word is nephthal. And it means of their own Accord. Can I tell you that if it was me, if I were Shadrach, and the guard is pushing me up the ramp, and the guard falls down dead, I'm saying, well, thank you, Jesus, and I'm going to turn around and walk back down. But Shadrach didn't do that. Shadrach, it says, of his own accord, took the last couple of steps. Why? Because he was submitted to the king. I'm going to obey you and do everything within my power. I can't obey you and bow down to that image because there's a higher authority that I obey. I can't disobey the higher authority to obey the lesser authority. But I will obey the punishment that you give me because my God is able. And so he takes the last couple of steps himself. Now the scripture says the king cast them into the furnace earlier than this. That means I'm in submission. I'm going to obey what you say to do. The king casting them into the furnace is his authority. I'm telling you soldiers... Cast them in. But here in verse 23, it says they fell down. And again, the word means of their own accord. So they take the last couple of steps themselves. You ever been in a fire or furnace situation? And you were fussing against God. God, why do you have me coming this way? God, why do you always bring me to the fiery furnace? Why don't you bring him to the fiery furnace? 
Don't bring, I've been there a number of times, God. Don't bring me again. But here He has me again. Going to the fiery furnace. Meshach, same thing. Guard falls down dead. He takes the last couple of steps himself. Abednego, same thing. The guard falls down dead. Now, there's three dead guards on the outside. It just stands to reason that there should be three dead Hebrews on the inside. But when the king looks into the furnace, he's astonished. And he said, did not we cast three into this burning, fiery furnace? And weren't they bound when we cast them in? True, O king. He said, Lo, I see four men, and they're loosed. They're not bound anymore. They're loosed and walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the fourth is like unto the Son of God. And He calls them out of the midst of the fire. And the Scripture says in verse 27 that the smoke... And the fire had no power on them, nor was an hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed upon them. Now, getting ready to be thrown in a furnace. I think they probably talked to God a little bit, right? Would you grant me that? They probably took just a, a moment and said, God, you know... We've tried to do our best. We've tried to follow the Scripture. We've tried to do everything that You've commanded us to do. Everything that we were taught to do. We tried to eat the right way. We tried to act the right way. Even though we were in this strange land. So God, the rest is up to You. Now, they probably didn't say, Shadrach wasn't there praying and and uh, he probably didn't say, You know, God... I've got a new suit. I just bought it from the Babylonian tailor. It's very nice. I look, I look pretty good in this suit. I've never had one like it before. So, so God, uh, would you please make it so my suit doesn't get messed up when I come out of the fire? He probably didn't pray that prayer, but God did it anyway. Meshach! Pop, maybe he got a, a haircut. You know, Lord, uh, it's a nice looking haircut here. It's looking really good. Um, it's the latest in the styles of the land. In fact, several people looked at me when I was walking over here and I caught a few eyes and Lord, I'm looking pretty good. So Lord, please make it so my hair doesn't get ruined. He probably didn't pray that prayer, but God did it anyway. Not a hair on their head was singed. Abednego, he got a new bottle of cologne. It was the finest in the land. He paid a good amount of money for that. He slathered it on just before the decree came down and he was smelling good. People were looking in his direction. He probably, when he's talking to God, didn't pray, God, just make it so when I come out of here I smell good. I don't want to smell like smoke. He probably didn't pray that prayer, but God did it anyway. Not only did He deliver them from the furnace, but there was not a hair 
hair of their head that was singed. Their clothes were not damaged. And when they came out of the furnace, they didn't smell like smoke. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Let me preach to you today for just a moment and tell you that you can put your trust in Him. He's working for your good. He's able to take care of you even in the middle of the fiery furnace. He's able to take care of you in the hardest trials of your life. He's able to take care of you in sickness. My God is a very present help in the time of need. He doesn't disappear in the time of need. He doesn't come up lame when we need Him the most. He doesn't have a power shortage when we need a miracle. The mighty clouds of joy used to sing a song, Jesus is a miracle man. I'm preaching this evening, no mud. No moon and no smoke. Let's stand together. Moses probably didn't even think about the mud problem. Joshua didn't have a clue about the extent of his request. The Hebrew boys were not worried one little bit about the smell of smoke. But it's God's nature to attend to detail. When He answers prayer, He doesn't do it halfway. When He pulls you out of the world, He doesn't do it halfway. You can be certain that it will be far greater and more complete than we even have the ability to comprehend. The devil would like for you to believe that your life will never amount to anything. He would like you to believe that you're stuck in the position you are right now and you'll always be there. He wants you to think that God can't fix your present circumstances and things will never change. Now, unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. The devil would like Christ-centered church to think that you're never going to amount to anything. He'd like you to think that you're stuck right here in this situation. Come on. We've only got about 40 people here or so on a Thursday night. That's all you could muster together is 40 To come hear the Word of God, you're never going to amount to anything. You're meeting in a firehouse. All the work, all the outreach, all the effort, all the Bible studies are never going to produce anything in the kingdom of God. I want you to know right now that God is preparing hungry hearts in this city for a great harvest of souls. Every time I come to this church, I feel the awesome presence of Almighty God. It's not different somewhere else than it is right here. The same God that parted the waters of the Red Sea is in this sanctuary tonight. The same God that caused the sun to stand still and the moon to hold its place is in this sanctuary right now. 
the same God that brought the three Hebrew children out is here tonight. I wonder today, is there anybody that has a problem that you need God to solve? Don't worry about the details. Can I tell you, don't take it out of God's hands and say, this is how you should do it, God. Aren't we good at that? We give God a five-step plan about how He should fix my life. And I'm the one that messed it up to begin with. Why don't we just say, God, I'm not worried about the details. I know I've got a long way to go. I know i got some stuff in my life that you're working out of me. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. But right now, tonight, I'm dedicating my life back to you again. I'm giving you access into my heart. And I'm telling you, God, just go to work. Do whatever you've got to do now unto Him that's able to do it exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Financial crisis, no problem with God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The scripture says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. He knows how to make money come in your direction. If you've got a sickness, no problem with God. He made your body. He can fix your body. There's nothing too hard for my God. Loved ones not saved. Family members not living for God. It's no problem. He knows how to save to the uttermost. He can reach anybody who turns and looks in His direction. Marriage problems. Family problems. No problem with God. Come on, let's reach out. Let's raise our hands all over the sanctuary. I'm done. I don't have anything else to say. Just turn loose tonight. Reach out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever problem you may have, if you come down to the altar on a Thursday night, these altars are open. If you want to pray right where you're at, go ahead and start reaching out to God right where you're at. Whatever you normally do on a Thursday night, let's just turn loose in the sanctuary tonight and give God access into our lives. Don't worry about the details. Don't worry about everything that has to happen for you to receive a miracle. Just put it in His hands. Now unto Him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Come on, the Lord Jesus is here tonight.
Lord, we thank you, Lord. I know the light. 